Welcome to the Aaron Novello Podcast. Are you looking to master the art of real estate sales? Do you want to level up your business and lifestyle? You are in the right place. Aaron and his guests share winning real estate sales strategies and techniques and show you how to win the inner game that leads to financial freedom. Get ready. Here is your host, top producing real estate agent and coach to some of the top agents in the U.S. and internationally, Aaron Novello. Welcome back, Novello Nation, to another episode of the Aaron Novello podcast. I have with us, of course, an absolute rock star. He hails from Mansfield, Massachusetts, which is a little bit outside of Boston, maybe like 30 minutes. Did a, a million dollars in GCI last year, over 80 transactions. He's a coaching client, a friend, just an awesome all-around dude. Um, we have with us Mr. Ben Esposito. I appreciate you taking the time to be with me, brother. Aaron, thank you. Yeah, of course, man. It's my pleasure. And I always really do my best to bring people to the platform that I really think can add tremendous amount of value. And you definitely fit that criteria. So in preparation for kind of having this conversation, we were talking and, you know, we were kind of masterminding and saying like, okay, well, what could we talk about that could add tremendous value uh, for the listeners and people out there in the universe that are uh, listening to these conversations? And you mentioned something that was pretty interesting, which was like how you happen to get into real estate. You kind of have a unique story there. So if you'd be kind enough just to kind of share with us a little bit about that and how you got into you know, the marvelous world of uh, real estate. Sure. So, well, I grew up in a real estate family. So my, my, I grew up in Eastern Connecticut, which right by the Yukon area, that sort of thing in, in Connecticut. My mother's been selling real estate there for shoot, 30 years now. And so I kind of grew up in a real estate office, you know, uh, she wasn't not when I was really young, but, you know, high school, middle school, all that. I mean, I would work for her. And so I got naturally, I was licensed when I was 18 and I would sell during summer and winter breaks at college. I'd come back and do that. And uh, it was, it was a lot of fun. You know, she saw a lot in me and kind of brought me to a lot of networking events and all that kind of stuff. And of course, uh, like a true rebellious uh, kid, when I got out of uh, college, I, I said, well, I'm never selling real estate. You work entirely too hard. I moved out of state and got a regular kind of corporate job. And uh, I did that for a few years and um, it wasn't what it was cracked up to be. They put me in management positions, which I at 22, 23 was just not qualified for. So I got uh, back into real estate uh, when I was 26 in, uh, in Mansfield where I am now. And um and of course, that was right when the uh, the 08 bubble burst. And uh, so I, I, you know, I I cut my teeth on a really bad market and uh, got into REO and bank-owned properties. And and then in 2014 was when I really started doing conventional real estate. Yeah, that's so, awesome, brother. And, yeah. you know, it's interesting because uh, I think I read one time where of all the Fortune 500 companies over the last hundred years that have been started, there's only a handful that are still uh, actually doing business, yeah. and all of them were started during an economic downturn. Yeah, because it just demonstrates that you know the people who started those companies, like you know, had to deal with harsh economic conditions, and because of that, it made them faster, quicker, stronger, and all that sort of thing. Myself as well. That was my experience uh, in a similar marketplace. That same time frame, two eight. 
you know, 08 and 09. So I guess I'm wondering because, you know, you had this experience with your mom and she was, you know, kind of exposing you to real estate. So how do you think that was helpful? Because I'm aware that a lot of agents, I think when they first get into the business, like they don't really understand what it is. So how was your experience with your mom and kind of watching your mom and her, you know, kind of um, getting you involved in the business at a young age? Like, how was that helpful to you? Yeah, I think it was exposure. I mean, I saw that you could very easily translate, you know, hard work and the harder you work into more conventional success, more money, and you could have the things that you wanted and you could be around kind of amazing people. She was uh, part of the same coaching organization that we were both part of. And, you know, it was just kind of that exposure. It was, it was a different world and you could see how, how you could grow and build something out of absolutely nothing. So I think that that exposure really helped me. Um, but it also scared me because I, I I recognized how much work it was. I saw what she did and how hard she worked in order to get what she she got. And so it was it was this double edged sword, which a, a lot of this real estate business is. Yeah, that's so interesting because like what I'm aware of is it ended up manifesting itself externally, where you had this like exposure and there was some excitement there, and then at the same time you're like, man, I see what it actually takes like work-wise. So you figure, you know what, like, I'll just get a corporate job because I won't have to work as hard. (laughs) So, and I guess I'm wondering, like, um, once you got that corporate job, what was it about your exposure with your mom that caused you after a couple of years to be like, you know what, like, this is not for me. Well, I think it was the, the opportunity just wasn't there. You know, you could put in extra hours, you could work a little bit more, you could do more but there was a ceiling to it. And I always felt like I was butting up against that ceiling. And um, so I just felt like the opportunity wasn't there. And I was kind of stupid enough to just say, well, the hell with, you know, the healthcare and the salary job. And, you know, 2006, this market's going to go forever. Uh, So, you know, just, just, it wasn't a decision that I, thought too much about. I realized I just, it wasn't, the, the, the opportunity wasn't there. I wasn't super happy where I was. And I said, well, if I'm going to do this, might as well do it now. Yeah. That makes total sense to me. So uh, it seems as though you went there, like with this notion of, you know what, like I see what my mom does and how hard she works. Let me go do this thing over here. However, I've gotten to know you, uh, spending some time with you and working together in a coaching capacity. Like you're very much so motivated by recognition, like I am, and you and kind of significance. And you're like, dude, like the opportunity is not here. So it doesn't matter how hard I work. It doesn't matter how much extra time I put in. It doesn't matter how like straight laced I am and going with kind of the company culture. I'm capped in terms of my opportunity. And that's what caused you to jump back into real estate. Is that right? Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's, it's interesting because it took, I took notes here from 18 to 26. Like it took you know, six, seven years for you to come to that conclusion and uh, like internally. But then once you did, I'm wondering, was it like you just hit the ground running or like, what was that first kind of 12 months like? Like, what was your experience? No, I think it, it, it took me a little while. I mean, I, I, I hit it pretty hard right off the bat, but I, I think, you know, there was this, um, there was this time period where I thought it would actually come a little bit easier than it did. 
So I got back into it and I knew the success that my mother had. And I figured if I just, you know, kind of put the work in that the the success would just come and it, it started to, and then the market collapsed. And of course, everything that we knew kind of went away, or at least any, everything that I knew about the real estate industry kind of went away. And um, it just became a lot harder than, than I thought it was going to. The market certainly didn't help, but you know, then I just pivoted into, into what I could to, to make stuff work, make the money. Yeah. It's interesting. So I wrote down two words, as I heard you saying that one was kind of entitlement and that's not, I don't mean that in a negative way, but you were like, Oh yeah, like my mom could do it. Like, this is easy. Like I'm just going to step in and make, make hundreds of thousands of bucks. And, and while it was happening, but it perhaps wasn't happening at the pace perhaps, or in the quantity that you wanted right away. And then the second was, is like disillusioned, right? Because not only did you make that transition back, but you happen to make the transition back at a time when the marketplace was contracting in a massive way. So perhaps strategies or approaches that worked in one environment weren't working as much anymore. And it became exceptionally more difficult to do transactions. And I think that's so important for people to hear right now, because a lot of people that I speak to, they think the marketplace that we're in, Ben, with 5, 10, 15 offers on a property, that that's normal. Right. And we both know because we've experienced different markets. Like, nah, dude, like that's not normal at all. What's normal is six months of inventory. What's normal? I tell people stories where like, hey, I used to get, I used to have to get 10 price reductions a month. Yeah. Just to move inventory. And you remember like, when we used to track price reductions? Yeah, dude. Like it was like a metric. You would be like, yeah. how many listings am I going to take? How many contracts am I going to get signed? And how many price reductions am I going to get this month? Like it was oh, one wow. of the metrics that we like tracked. Yep. I've been yeah, so- like two and a half years. That's right. You know, yeah. and then like you find yourself in a situation where maybe you have to do that. You got to brush off that like script. Like, oh man, I don't even remember how, how to have this conversation. So I think it's so important to prepare people kind of physically, mentally, spiritually, and emotionally for um, kind of that gauntlet, so to speak, like when the marketplace contracts and when it changes, how you have to pivot. So when that changed, like how did you deal with that little bit of like disillusionment or like, wow, like this is harder than I thought. Now I've gotten to know you guys. I've gotten to spend time with you, uh, the good fortune in person at our Freedom Builders events, the live events. And I know that you're somebody who like accepts a challenge. I know that you're somebody who like leads the pack, right? So what was your response to that when, when you noticed like, oh, this is changing? It, it just reverted right back to hard work. I had no problem doing hard work. And I think I, I recognized an opportunity with a couple of guys that were doing Banco and REO. And I, I went to them and asked them that if I could contribute and help out. And um, they were gracious enough, gracious enough to, to kind of let me help. And as soon as my foot was in the door, I, I just worked. That's all I did. I mean, that, those were, you know, 70, 80 hour weeks. And all I would do is work. And, um, and it was easy. It wasn't a decision that I had to make. I didn't have to like psych myself up to do it. It just, that that's what needed to get done. And, and so, you know, that kind of goes back to what you were saying about people getting into the business right now. You can absolutely get into the business right now, but if things shift or change or, you know, if this market or the real estate industry in general changes, as long as you're willing to go back to hard work and, and be conscious about what you're doing, you'll, you'll make it. It's just you can't have this disillusionment and not do hard work at the same time. 
Yeah. And I love that you're saying that because I know so many people benefit from that. It's kind of like I was listening to Gary V recently and he was saying where they're like, yeah, he's like, look, if you want to make 50, 60, $70,000 a year and be at the family barbecues on the weekend and take all your time off during holidays and stuff, he's like, that's great. I think it's awesome for you. Like, that's awesome. But when you start telling me you want to make three, four, five, six hundred or a million, he's like, how the hell do you think that that happens? You think you're going to like work 40 hours a week and do that? Like, no way, dude, that's not a realistic expectation. It is going to be 60, 70, 80 hours a week in order to accomplish that. Right. Right. And uh, I think part of the reason why people, I don't know, fail or um, don't produce the outcomes that they want is because they're not clear on what's actually required. Mm -hmm. And it sounds like you're very clear on that and you applied it and you got, you know, again, working really hard, relentless, as far as pursuing those opportunities And I'm wondering too, kind of the role that like either mentorship, whether from your mom or from others, uh, like played a part in your success, right? Because I know it's played a big part in your success. It has. And and that goes back to the double-edged sword. And we kind of chatted about this before offline. But I, I, for a very long time, I would... I would follow people, you know, I would see successful people, I would see what they did. And it was very easy for me to uh, figure out what they were doing and follow exactly. I was very good at putting blinders on and following one specific path. And it was really, it, 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 it helped me immensely because it, it, I didn't question it. I didn't think, is there another way to do this? All I did was put a hundred percent effort into this one singular focus that was great to get me to where I could make a lot more decisions, but it also, it it blinded me from a lot of different opportunities, a lot of different knowledge, and then a lot of different mentorship that, that may have been more beneficial to me personally, spiritually, mentally, emotionally. Now, all the rest of it was taking care of the money and the things and the you know, the security was all there, but, um, I think that that's, that's the biggest thing that's changed over the years is, is that following versus being a student thing. Yeah, that's right. We were talking about that, like the difference between being a student and being a follower, right? A student gathers information and they triangulate ideas of believable people. And then they make decisions in accordance with, you know, what's true for them and the outcomes that they're wishing to produce. A follower allows other people to dictate what's important. And uh, takes other people's goals and objectives as their own. And they also don't get outside information, which again, can be a problem because it's like, I'm only getting one slice of a whole pie and it becomes like myopic in a sense where I'm only seeing like one thing, I'm not seeing the full picture. And that prevents me from, you know, perhaps uh, making some changes. And what I wrote down here, which is interesting. And I think this will be helpful for everybody. It's like those two things combined, everything that's a strength can be a weakness. So relentless and hard work, two words that I would use to describe you. Um, and kind of when you combine that with a follower versus a student, it's powerful because it gives me like, you know, directed energy in one place. It also can be a weakness because I'm miss, I'm, I'm not seeing other opportunities or other ways of doing something. Right. And then it can be very difficult to kind of uh, move yourself away from that or unwind it in some way. Right. It's like interesting. Cause I'm moving away from something that felt very comfortable to me. So, so well, you, especially for somebody who doesn't like myself, who doesn't like change, 
staying on that path and kind of closing your eyes way more comfortable for me than kind of getting up and looking around. Right. I know. I know you've shared with me since we've been working together and all the stuff we were doing. I like, bro, I've been, I've been in a perpetual state of uncomfort for like, <laughs> for like a while. Right. And you're like, but it's good. That means that like what we're doing is like good work. Yeah, including this, like I want to acknowledge you for you know agreeing to do this because this is outside what would be kind of comfortable for you. So I guess my question to you would be is, so you made that transition, you hit the ground running, you're doing the REO, you're successful there, and then the marketplace changes again. Yeah. Where REO starts to shrink up. So how did you pivot and respond to that? Well, that was also, so that was 2014. That was also the year that uh, my daughter was born uh, my wife, uh, we made the decision jointly that she was going to leave her job and stay home to, to, to raise our kids. So it was kind of around the same time the market was starting to do a lot better. I recognized that REO was shrinking up from what it was uh, to what it is now. And I just looked at it like an opportunity. And again, it was one of those things where the decision wasn't very difficult. It was just, I needed to have more security and more security around what I was doing. I needed to be able to provide more for my family. Um, and so it was just, I, I, I again defaulted back to hard work. I just, I, I put my head down and I worked for years and years to build the business to, to what it is today. Yeah. And, and what it is today is you routinely do, you know, 80 plus transactions a year, over a million in GCI. It's very profitable. I know you're operating at very high profit margins. So what's interesting to me is that like, you know, you, you fell back on hard work and you went back to like a traditional kind of residential resale one at a time, past client centers of influence, calling, making outbound calls to people you don't know to, to earn their business and add them to your kind of database sort of thing. Is that right? Yep. Yeah. And um, that works. And it has worked right for you and it's been very successful. And I guess that brings us to like, you know, present day. So um, I know we've been working on a lot of things in terms of like uh, mental maps and the way you're seeing things and kind of looking at being a technician, right? And how there's not necessarily anything wrong with being a technician. I think where people get it mixed up is they exchange time for money, but then they don't use that money to buy back time. Yep. And that's, that's very important, whether it's buying it back, putting it back in your business or buying assets that pay you money. So I guess for you, like, what are you currently thinking about? How do you see the industry changing and how are you pivoting again? Because I'm hearing from you multiple pivots. I'm hearing from my mom who exposed me to like, nah, I'm good. I go do over here. I'm like, that doesn't work. And then I pivot back and then the marketplace changes and I have to pivot to what's going on at that moment, which is REO and that type of business. And then the marketplace gets better again. REO shrinks. It's like, okay, I got to pivot again, right? This resiliency and being able to kind of constantly be evolving, right? As a person, which I think is critically important uh, to being successful long-term, right? Because yep. um, the, the world is littered with REO agents who were crushing it. And then they had to go get a job afterwards. Like they were right. no longer in real estate anymore. So what is the current pivot for you? Like, why are you pivoting? Like, what are you responding to? What changes are you seeing happening? Yeah, just let us know uh, where you're at with that. Well, well, I do think I, I think that the the industry is changing. I mean, that the average consumer is is uh, is requesting, and I think deserving more than 
than they've gotten in the past. Um, they're being exposed to high, high levels of quality customer service in other industries. And they're saying, well, wait, we're, we're, we're spending a lot of money to hire you. And traditionally, there hasn't been an extremely high level of customer service in the real estate industry. And I think that that's getting exposed now. And I think the direction that, that the industry is going to go is that there is going to be a, a, a group of real estate individuals that build just highly customer service focused um, platforms that allow them to, to provide very specific customer care. And I think so expanding a team has never been like, I've never been one of those agents that wanted a big team of 12 or 15, 20 agents working under me. But I think the expansion right now is, is, is noticing that there's only so much I can do as an agent and having staff to provide that level of customer service. So expanding the team, not necessarily in the old traditional style, but expanding it so that I can provide that level of service to even more people, while at the same time giving opportunities to other agents and team members that, that I think will really improve the quality of their life and the opportunities that they have. And so I think that, you know, that what I'm trying to build now is, is really revolved around that. Yeah. And I think that's very well put. And I, I took some kind of notes as you were speaking is that one, you know, you mentioned that the consumer's being exposed to higher levels of customer service and other kind of environments. So like one of the things we talked about, I remember on a coaching call, it's like, yeah, dude, what I'm aware of is Chipotle can tell me where my burrito is on its way to my house every five minutes. And yet a consumer can't get information on when closing is for their $500,000 house. Right. <laughs> like that's insane. And what I'm aware of is that like technology is changing our expectations to your point, right? Uh, as far as what we're expecting. And I'm paying a lot, like I'm only paying 10 bucks for my burrito, but I'm paying like $18,000 for Ben to help me sell my property. And I can't get information like that, right? Which is what I'm accustomed to. So what I wrote down here is that like the, we can use different words. We can use customer service. We can use the word delivery, yep. right? Um, the customer service or the delivery of the service is now, I feel like in the past, it was like kind of optional. I mean, the, the intention is, is like, we're going to give you great service. It's not that we're going to treat you poorly, but it's like, yeah, you know, I helped you sell your place. You're welcome. And I move on to something else, right? Well, what's happening is, is because the consumer is getting exposed to so many different options, which they have, and different options technologically and different platforms that are popping up that trying to solve their problems for them, that customer service is no longer optional. It's like actually a must. And those who are able to deliver it at a high level, they'll be able to preserve commissions, but they'll also continue to get their unfair share of the business. And those who can't, won't. And it's really like that simple. Is that right? Yep. It really is the case. So, and when, when you, and then the other piece that I thought was really interesting about what you said is I know our tendency in the past, and there's nothing wrong with this. It's just part of the evolution is to kind of hoard opportunities which is like, all right, like I get all the opportunities for myself and, uh, you know, I trade my time for money and that's cool. And I try to be as profitable as I can, meaning like I starve my business. I don't put money into delivery. I don't put money into customer service. 
And, uh, you know, we just add people to the database and we keep it moving. And what that evolution now is, is like, all right, well, you know, I feel like I'm in an, a position where I can actually provide opportunities for others. And it becomes a win-win proposition where I have to be willing to buy time back. So I'm giving up a little bit of, you know, uh, profit, but I'm also getting time and I'm providing opportunities to other people. So it's like what you're looking to build right now is in alignment with those two things. So tell us a little bit about what you're looking to build right now. Like what's the vision? What's the goal and objective? Like what are we trying to accomplish? So recently I, I switched uh, I switched brokerages recently and we're going to be opening up a, a team office in my in my hometown, which is really exciting. We're in the build out phase of that right now. And I think what what we're what we're trying to do is is again put ourselves in a position where we can provide that delivery that you talked about, right? We're moving our listing manager to operations. We need somebody that is just day to day taking a look at uh, the quality of what we're putting out and the satisfaction of of our team members. We're looking to build uh, a bigger team of real estate agents that are that are specifically focused on individual activities so that people can come in and have, have that quality of life that, that I think being a technician, a sole technician is really hard to accomplish. But if, if a real estate agent is able to come in and make six figures doing a a specific task that they enjoy in a culture and in an environment that, that they're really enjoying, I mean, that's, that's at this point what, what I'm more focused on. I've been really fortunate in life to kind of have been led and, and taught and coached and mentored by some really, really great people. And I feel like at this point in my life, you know, pushing to make more money just for me personally doesn't provide any value to my life anymore. But bringing other people around me to share in that has become really a, a driving factor. So I think. You talk about it, and I, I'll probably butcher the line, but what expanding your expanding your environment to be able to allow other people to what's that line that you use all the time? Yeah, so basically, like making my universe big enough that other people's goals and objectives can be accomplished within my universe. Yeah, so I butchered it, but that's exactly yeah. my. <laughs> Right. Is that 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 that's the driving factor. So if I need to get bigger so that my universe is bigger so other people can thrive around with me, then that's that's the that's the passion that's behind everything that I'm doing now is to is to provide that universe. Yeah. And I love that, brother. Like and I I really feel like that's that's coming from like kind of a play, like an authentic, genuine place. And it's reverse. So I was talking to somebody that we know recently and I said to him, like, hey, he's like, well, what do you think the, the problem is with most people who like try to go in this direction with like, um, you know, creating an organization? And I said, well, part of it is, is one of the main problems is, is that they think that they, all the staff or all the agents work for them instead of thinking that they work for those people. Mm-hmm. And he was like, oh man, like I got to think about that. first thing." <laughs> but I think that that's very true. And as you're speaking, I can hear it like as you're saying it, you're saying things like, hey, I want to add staff, not because I want them to take things off my plate. Instead, the reason that I'm adding staff is to provide a better experience to the consumer. Yeah. And like, hey, I want to add agents to the team, not because like I'm like, oh, well, I need to add them to my team because I'm going to get a percentage of production. It's like, no, I want to do that because I want to give the consumer what they want. And what they want is speed. Yep. 
And if they can get a hold of somebody, like we're we're servicing them at a higher level because they can speak to somebody like really fast. Versus if it's just me, like you know, me and you may be on appointments, we may be doing podcasts, we may be doing other things, and they're not going to be able to connect with me right away. Um, I think that that's, that that shifts hard work too, right? My traditional definition of hard work was just putting in the hours, and I think the hard work for me at this point in shifting is kind of picking my head up and looking around and seeing what I have here and what I want to build and, and the opportunities for other people. And the hard work is, is, isn't traditional hard work, but it's to stop and actually think about what I truly want my business to be and how that opportunity can be for other people and, and, and putting the time and thought into it versus just plowing through to do more business or do more transactions or do more, like it just, it's a different type of hard work at this point in my, in my career or in my life, whatever it may be. Yeah. And what I love about what you're saying is that uh, you recognize that it's still hard work. Yep. You know, I've heard yeah. Gary V say before, like, you know, people, they talk about like this passive income thing and he's like, like, I don't know, for most, for 99% of the population, there's no such thing. Like there's always going to be work involved. And I think sometimes people think if I'm building an organization, like, Oh, like my intention is, so I don't have to, like, I personally don't have to work. Well, that's not true because as a leader, there's a lot of work that's involved in leadership. You have to like actually know what direction we're going in, which is hard to figure out. You have to know, like, you have to be analyzing the landscape. And what I'm hearing you say is that you recognize the pivot because you see what's happening in the industry and how net's being compressed, right? And the game is moving towards volume. It's moving towards vertical integration. So it's like, all right, well, that's the next pivot. And what I'm aware of is it's really hard work to actually push that into existence. But it's a more enjoyable hard work at this point, right? Because again, you, you stop and you think about what that end result is, is or what you want to build. And it's more passion driven than need or desire. And it just makes, makes it easier. I don't know. It's just, it, it is, it's hard, it's hard work, but it's, it's, it's easier than it used to be. And it's more, uh, it's more satisfying than it used to be. Yeah. Which is wonderful because I remember, you know, when we first started working together, you shared with me, like you, you know, I asked a question on the freedom builders call recently where it's like, Hey, am I evolving? Or am I repeating? And you found yourself in a situation where you, you felt like you were like repeating over and over and over again. And yeah, it was producing like, you know, results that were favorable for you, but it wasn't really like lighting you up. It wasn't really like, uh, as perhaps fun or exciting as it was in the past. And what we recognize together as a team is that this actually is, and you can use all your thoughts, feelings, emotions, like all of your experiences that you've had to provide opportunities for others, to create great service for clients. And simultaneously, it becomes a win-win proposition, right? You're serving people at a high level. You benefit as well in terms of time and resources. And uh, that's, you know, that's an enjoyable experience, which is really what you're after, right? Yep. Yeah. So here's my... Uh, next question to you is, okay, so with doing that, cause that's awesome. Like, I feel like from a mental perspective, you're very, very clear. You're clear on why you're clear on what you want. So what's at this moment, what's your greatest challenge in actually like implement, like actually like executing on that? Uh, um, I think it's, well, what did you just say? What do we go over on our mastermind call? Are you, uh, are you progressing or what was that? Am I expanding or preserving? 
Yeah, I think it's 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 fighting my natural uh, my natural inclination to to preserve what I have and to to push that back. It's really for me a sense of comfort. I've always you know used the drive and ambition that I have and the hard work to give me security. It's it's like paramount to who I am, and I think pushing that 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 old me and that you know, natural instinct to just go back and hammer the phones and make, take more listings and, you know, just grind. I think it's, I think it's pushing that back is my biggest difficulty is, is to, is to just kind of continue on the path that, I, that I'm on, that I'm yeah. going for. Yeah. That's wonderful. That's wonderful, bro. And I, I appreciate your authenticity. Like I really do. Uh, because I think that, um, you know, it's not something that people talk about regularly and really what it's about is it's about like an internal evolution. And we've talked about before how like money has an addictive quality. And because of that, we get addicted to the way that we receive it. And if I've received it in a certain way over an extended period of time, it becomes challenging, right? To uh, perhaps think about it in a different way, but you were doing a wonderful job of that. It's awesome to kind of watch you uh, do that. And I know everybody's going to you know benefit from this call. So I guess any kind of last words for the audience that you would kind of either words of encouragement or kind of pointers or tips that you think would help them in some way, um, wherever they are in their journey in real estate? Yeah, I think, I think it's, it's probably to use that double-edged sword to your advantage. Um, I think you, you have to recognize when it's time to, to focus on things and when it's time to look around and figure out if you're on the right path or if you're doing the right things. I think there's a time for both. And I think, I think if, if people recognize that there are times again, that you have to, you have to grind and you have to put in the hard work, but you can't stay in that mode forever. You have to look around and determine what's, what's right for you and whether or not the advice and the guidance and the work that you're, that you're doing is really ultimately going to benefit you and therefore benefit the people around you. So I think it's a combination of those things to, to, to keep moving forward. Yeah. I love that brother. It's super solid guidance. Uh, that has been very true in my experience. And I think the thing that I always share with people is like, Hey, whoever I give access to my thinking, uh, the question is, is what do they have me saying and doing? And is that okay? Is that in alignment with the person that I want to become? Is that in alignment with the business that I want to create? Because who I become will make me very happy or very sad. What I get will never really make me happy, but who I become uh, is is really what we're after. And I set goals really with regards to like, who am I going to have to become in order to accomplish them? Because that's really the goal and objective. The ancillary benefits of income and like all this other stuff like that happens, but who I become is really the main event. So this has been great, brother. If people want to connect with you, if they want to send you referrals, like where can they find you? Yeah. So just the uh, espositohomes.com. You can look me up, obviously, uh, you know, Facebook, Instagram, all of those. But yeah, espositohomes.com and you can get all my contact info. Yeah. And he's a like really dude, quality human being. So I highly suggest that if you, uh, you know, if you have any questions, I know he'll make time for you. If um, you want to send him a referral, he'll definitely take care of your people. If you like these episodes, guys, please make sure to subscribe to the podcast, you know, smash the like button so you can be updated every time uh, that, uh, you know, these come out. 
And uh, again, brother, I appreciate you being here with us and look forward to connecting with you soon. Yeah. Thank you, Aaron. My pleasure, bro. Talk to you soon. Take care. Thank you so much for listening to the Aaron Novello podcast. Be sure to subscribe and follow Aaron on Instagram at Aaron Novello. Happy hunting.